back from the greatest and deepest nebulas of time. Yeah. I'm Darth Zero. Dark stream. I'm, I'm Darth Camgentase. Darth Rictus is not here. Uh, uh, Rictus is trapped. There's atmospheric conditions keeping them aside in a battle a ways away. Something, something. Secret mission, Sith. Yeah. Sounds like an excuse. I, you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe Darth Rictus just got too, too, too deep in the death sticks. Rictus went to the light side. No. <laughs> no, never, never. It's okay. It's, uh, it's summertime now or feels like it outside. Not down here. No, down, this is, this is quite, this is a nice cave. Not a musty, dank cave. <laughs> the blacklight cave. I bet hobbits would like blacklight. That, that seems like it'd be something they'd be into. Oh, probably. They, they definitely love indica. <laughs> I mean, dwarves definitely lots of blacklight there anyway. There's plenty of weird plants and things. You suppose really the only thing that informs a hobbit of like which type of weed they should be smoking is, are they gardening or eating? Right, so for gardening, uh, some sativa and otherwise indica. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're always eating those. So they always want to be prepped for it. So does it, does like, uh, what was it, the North Farthing and Old Toby? What were some of the other types they mentioned in the books? That's all I really remember. I wonder if do the Hobbit restaurants and things like serve that or do restaurants just bring that out like as a, a specialty from the Shire? Maybe it's like in the nineties where there are just ashtrays everywhere. Oh, you know, like even in college classrooms and hospitals and courtrooms and people just assumed you were going to smoke. Maybe the Hobbits just roll it. Cause they all just like bust out pipes and get to business anytime they're idle for like one second. True. I, I looked up, uh, I wanted one of those old tin McDonald's ashtrays. If you remember those. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's let's just see how ridiculous this memorabilia is. They're like ten bucks a pop, and I'm like, okay, that's not worth my memorabilia. Although, it's kind God, of that's funny, not though. even that much money anymore. True, ten bucks a pop is just like you were kind of hungry and you went to McDonald's and only got dollar. They don't even have a value menu, whatever it's fucking called. Yeah, I think it's like two, three, and four dollar value or right, something like right. that. Right, like the old, the old uh, get get yourself like a couple McDoubles and a McChicken that used to be like three bucks. Like that's a ten ski these days, I think. Jeez. So like ten bucks for an ashtray. That, I mean, that's a lot of money. A long time ago, I guess. Fair. That weird time warp from a long time ago to now, you know, like. The aughts don't seem that long ago, right? Oh, like the other evening when we were watching Zach and Miri make a porno. Yeah. It's like, how, how old was this? This is 2008. That's, that's, that's 15, 15 years. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 15 fucking years. <laughs> you, I, I can look at that and say, oh, I, I can't imagine that that's more than a few years old. It's right. just. And like, I don't consider that to be a new release, but if Blockbuster was still around, they'd have it on the fucking wall. Ooh. <laughs> All of the all of the movies that are coming out are getting this. I don't see any of the Marvel movies, and I say this full well knowing that technology will make the change. But right now, it doesn't feel like any of these. I'm going to be like, oh man, that feels so old right now. I still can't even look at Iron Man, the first one, and say it feels old. They did. It's kind of interesting because they did a really good job with their CGI in the early movies, and as the technology got better, it seems like they got worse at using it. <laughs> Or they were in more of a hurry because once they realized that it's like a billion dollar machine, you know, just pull the lever, crap out a movie, make a billy. Like, yeah, let's just keep it going, guys. Let's just keep it fucking going. Some Marvel movies are like that 
pink sludge that you make chicken McNuggets out of? In a way. Um, okay, so I can give you like two examples. One of them is from Endgame. Okay. Uh, when Captain America gets Mjolnir and gets it like whipped up and gives uh, Thanos an uppercut with it, Thanos flies into the air and then falls. Thanos' body is totally weightless in that shot. It's nonsense. Even, even the first time I'm in the theater and I'm like super stoked for the on your left and like the Avengers assembling that cool scene. And, you know, Cap gets Mjolnir one second before there's plenty to be distracted by. But Thanos takes it to the gin and falls to the ground like the way they do in Skyrim. <laughs> they, they just like all that work and you guys couldn't just stop to figure out like how much does he weigh? And, and, and like, what would this, I mean, it's just ballpark, right? He doesn't weigh 20 pounds, though. And the way he goes down, it sort of looks that way. I mean, Thanos is probably going to weigh, shoot, I'm, I'm thinking like seven, 800 at min. Yeah, yeah, like at least as much as a really big motorcycle. Well, it's like Wolverine. Probably more. Everyone ignores how heavy Wolverine is a lot of the time. Some comics get it, right, when they have mm -hmm. to have, try to have someone help fly him. They're like, how do you weigh so much? And he's like, I'm full of adamantium. He weighs like 400 pounds. Yeah, there's, there's. <laughs> I can give him a pass on the Wolverine shit because, you know, every time you show him sitting in a chair, if it was a cheap one, he breaks it. Okay. And, you know, maybe like Wolverine would learn better, but also that seems like a fucking mistake he would make over and over and over again as well. Yeah, I said. Yeah, like drunk he does at drink some bar and sits down <laughs> on one of those shaky stools that so many bars have and just ass to ground just like that. How, how many uh, drinks have you had, Wolverine? It's a question of how many bottles of whiskey he's had in the last hour. Yeah. That's, that's the measurement. Good old Wolf. There's a major bird walk but there was um an, an infinity watch kind of preamble comic book that set up an infinity watch series with loki and wolverine looking for the time stone that sounds neat and uh wolverine like loki is just flying one of those asgardian flying boats okay and wolverine is just filling it with empty beer bottles because it, you know eventually loki confronts him about it and he's just like well you know every time i get impaled and all this shit it really fucking hurts. <laughs> that is that is a thing that's nice to see written into comics where he doesn't he's not immune to pain. No. He just heals. <laughs> no, and, and you get the impression as well that he's drinking to be able to deal with like Loki constantly running his mouth. This is how I don't cut your head off. <laughs> right, right. It's just the art in one ear out the other, you know, glug, glug, glug. And they even in that in that little miniseries have a couple different scenes where they have to like, Loki is just irritated and disgusted that they have to make yet another beer run. Does it have, uh, like, little cameos from other Infinity Watch or other cool things in there? I don't remember. I, I know some other people pop in and out, and that's pretty common in the comics anymore these days because cameos don't cost you anything. Yeah. And there's always some kind of event going on in some other line. Like, when I was more into collecting a bunch of different comics, the event that was going on involved symbiotes. Okay. And, um, like, Noel, the god of symbiotes and all that shit. So there was, like, any comic you pulled that was Marvel had some storyline in it. Because, like, Noel fucked up the whole planet for a minute. So there's, there's crossovers all the time because every few months there's some big bad that's going to take down everything in the comic books. Well, that's, that's the rule to it, which brings up that interesting one of, do the threats on this world-class super scale exist because of bad things or because they're are the superpowered good guys to fight him? The, the Superman Lex Luthor question. The impression I get about the Marvel Universe is that it's just an incredibly hostile environment in the comic books and that Earth can enjoy, you know, being Earth-like because 
there are all these different, you know, MC or, or Marvel comic books heroes that are capable of single-handedly deflecting universe-ending crises on a, like a bi-weekly basis. But then at the same time, some basic problems about the world in the smaller run comics with the lower powered characters still plague the people. Right. It's everything's a mess, I guess, <laughs> is the story. Like it's, it, it is a Hobbesian world in the Marvel <laughs> comic universe. It's just nonstop violence, threats, everyone shitting on Spider-Man for some reason. Aren't there three now? At least three. Okay. Let me think. So there's like Peter Miles. Parker, there's Miles, there's Gwen. Um, there's probably at least another Peter Parker. I mean, uh, shoot, I think a spider clone from back in the Infinity War. Right, is that like Scarlet is, Spider or something? That's well, it's like around? a four, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not up on my Spider-Man. I know there's at least four Spider-Man titles at any point. I just know because Into the Spider-Verse, the second one will be hitting soon. Yeah. I think that's next month or this month. So there's... Yeah, there's, there's like an entire multiversal thing just with the spider powers. I, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's like, it's the web of life and dreams or something like that. And that's on, on, on brand. Right. And, and, and it's the, the idea is that it's possibly why they have a spider sense is because of their multiversal connection Oh, to the web of life and dreams. If I'm getting that name right, I, I'm giving myself 70% on it's it's a good concept. I like the I get the idea. Whether the name is right or not, the concept still stands, and that's a nice way to explain the Spidey sense off. And that's yeah, also what connects all of them. So why that like the Spider Verse matters as compared to the greater multiverse because there's something special about the spider powers. Well, I mean, keep in mind, uh, I think it was in the eighties, maybe the really early nineties. Spider Man got the power cosmic. Oh yeah, everybody gets that sooner or later. It's like the clap. Oh, is it just everybody now? Oh, man. It's, I mean, Ghost Rider has it now. What? That's Cosmic oh, yeah. Ghost I Rider. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. Uh. Ghost Rider and the Power Cosmic. <laughs> sooner, I mean, fuck. In that, in that same uh, series of like the Cosmic Ghost Rider, Thanos Wins series, uh, Silver Surfer picks up Mjolnir. I mean, it's, it's like it, it, Mjolnir seems like, you know, Fickle. it's really choosy, but really like Mjolnir is a hoe. It, that's why one gal got it right. It's Mew Mew. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mew Mew. Oh, tickle your balls. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I wonder when and how long until we get some Marvel into the Magic the Gathering world. I don't know. It's I mean, we're getting Lord of the Rings right now. It seems like this could happen. It could. It could. I think Disney is a lot more careful with their IP than Hasbro is though. And I, I mean, who even owns the, isn't the IP for Lord of the Rings just all over the place? You know, like one studio can make movies of it, of a certain part and a different studio can make, like Amazon has the rights to make these prequels, but nobody owns the Silmarillion or somebody does and they don't do anything with it. Yeah. There's something funky about how you can play out certain things on that. I don't, I don't quite understand. So, right. I mean like the thing about property rights is, it's it's a lot more complex than people realize. It's not like I have the thing, therefore I have it. Property rights, I remember that being explained to me in school as like a bundle of sticks where your property rights include a lot of different aspects of property. And because you have that, you can engage in a really complex way with, you know, giving, selling certain amounts of it or giving licenses or giving 
licenses that you can revoke, that anyone can revoke, that can never be revoked, and splitting it off and all these. It's, it's insane. It has the potential to be insanely complex, and I think with Lord of the Rings it probably is. It makes me think of the number of times that DC and Marvel have crossed over, or uh, even other comic things, but DC and Marvel have had multiple crossovers. If you ever remember the Wolverine-Batman uh, crossover. But uh, I, was that like a one-time deal? Are they allowed to reference that in the future? I have no idea. They can do that whenever, like they can do crossovers whenever they want. It's just a question of who owns the IP, to what extent, and where. The, so for example, like Spider-Man, I'm not an expert on this, but I know the gist of it. Like Sony owns Spider-Man. Yep. But they can't keep it unless they make a movie every so often which is why the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies got made. And when people were like, it was pretty quick. We just wrapped up the Tobey Maguire not that long ago. And now we're relaunching. Even our IP. It was, if they, that's, that's why the Andrew Garfield Spider movies were made was to keep the IP, which was part of why, you know, I think fairly so it was, it was hit with the criticism of being a cynical movie to make because it wasn't, you know, we have this special idea. They got good actors for it. I really liked all the actors they picked, but God, that movie was not good. Neither was its sequel. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of a thing. If you're fighting to just keep control over something without a plan, yeah. Right, and you consider what it costs to make those and try and advertise Oof. them, and uh, did they make money? Did they break even? I don't fucking know. Clearly, they didn't do as well as they wanted, and they start negotiating with Disney, you know, so that Disney gets to have Spider-Man, but we put up Sony on it, and we split the money about it, and this also counts as Sony making a Spider-Man movie, so they get to hold on to Spider-Man, and... <laughs> You know, it was the same kind of issue with like 20th Century Fox had the mutants before Disney owned them. And mm -hmm. then we had, you know, like uh, Wanda and Pietro. Yeah, that was. And that's we, we couldn't call the mutants the Battle of the Avengers because they're. <laughs> right. Even though they're mutants, or at least Pietro is. It's kind of unclear what they're doing with Wanda. I'm sure she's going to be a raw being of magic. And at some point, she's going to be revealed to be a god. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that just, she did destroy the dark hold in every universe. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, she's probably like at some point, it's like, oh no, a Beyonder slipped through and decided to like inhabit a human form. So you remember in the, like, what in the movies they're calling 616 in Multiverse of Madness where yeah. uh, one of the monks at Comertage stabs the thing and just looks like she immediately goes to hell. Does that mean like we're going to find Wanda in hell later? I mean, because we we did see a hell dimension in that same movie. It's well, it would give him a good excuse to finally get Mephisto in. Yeah, we we've been dancing around Mephisto forever. We and we need those. We need a uh, that uh, opens see, the door Black to Heart. Johnny Blaze yeah. or any Ghost Rider. I would rather uh, let's skip Johnny Blaze. I want to go straight to Cosmic Ghost Rider Frank Castle. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. I I don't I think the Power Cosmic is going to be a hold off for a while. I mean, it's. It's really a, a Kang Doom quest type thing. And we're still, we, we don't even have a Doom. We're just getting the early forms of Kang. Yeah. Before we get too lost in this, I did mention a second example of bad CGI. She oh, yeah. Hulk. It was a mess in She-Hulk. It looked rushed. <laughs> it, it, some parts were a little bit, I liked how some of it looked a bit rushed, but that's because I liked how meta it got at points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think part of the meta of like, we're going to have you transform off screen because it's expensive to do on screen was part of the commentary of how bad the CG was, or maybe they knew it was going to be bad. I don't know. Also a nice homage to the original, you know, Lou Ferrigno Hulk stuff where you, there wasn't effects to do it. So you kind of had pullbacks and, and sometimes yeah. they do the, the terrible growth effect, which is just layering the film over top of each other. 
but you know what? And then, then they made it green. <laughs> Mess with the <laughs> tint. That was a long time ago, though. It was great stuff. Great stuff, though. Lou Ferrigno. Hey, man, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lou Ferrigno appear in something Marvel at some point, though I don't know if he's still friendly toward the whole comic world. He appeared in the Eric Bana movie. I didn't even realize that. He was a security guard toward the beginning of the Eric Bana oh. movie at, at a gate. Like, it was him standing next to Stan Lee. Okay. So that's, maybe you were like Stan Lee and just didn't notice Lou Ferrigno. That's I think, likely. I think Lou Ferrigno might have showed up in the Edward Norton one as well. I'll have to look back on that. Um, yeah, Lou, Lou Ferrigno, last I knew, was still, you know, pretty proud to be the Hulk. But wh- there hasn't been a Hulk movie in forever, right? And She-Hulk wasn't about the Hulk. Mm-hmm. But with multiversal stuff, I mean, it just seems like a nice thing to have Make him appear, Lou Ferrigno. His fees probably ten k. You you can you don't yeah, care. You know, and the thing is, like they could they could do <laughs> him right instead of having him painted green and shit. Like do a CGI big old Lou Ferrigno green. Like that'd be. So, I want to see that. I just want that. In a that'd scene. be kind of cool. Like I don't even care if during that scene it involves fucking Doctor Morpheus going like, "Hey, Lou Ferrigno Hulk. I guess Spider Man must have sent you here. We should team up or something." <laughs> if that's what it takes for me to get to see Lou Ferrigno Hulk. With the full CG, I'm willing. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Maybe we'll get to the point that they go the the Deep Hulk story. You'd, you'd had me read that just recently. What's it? The uh, Immortal Hulk? Immortal Hulk. Maybe we get into that and they kind of twist it around and we get the Spider-Man thing. of And here's all the Hulks through time. Check it out. Because they're all still alive. Yeah. To, as far as I know right now. If you're listening, that's, I think it started in like 2018 or so as a series written by Al Ewing. And like Alex Ross did all the covers for it. And they look great. Immortal Hulk, which is probably, I bet you, what's the, what is, what's the big book of those? You, they, they have a whole word for them. Omnibus. Omnibus. I bet you could get the Omnibus for that right now because they're like this month launching the Immortal Thor. Okay. And it's Al Ewing writing. And again, Alex Ross doing all the covers. Good tie in. People grab it. I'd be kind of surprised if the Omnibus for Immortal Hulk is not right now available. <laughs> I got to recommend it though. I have all the floppies. They're it's a fucking cool series. I've never heard comics described as floppies. I like that. Oh, for real? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where I heard it before, but yeah, I like it. (laughs) What do you got? I still got the floppies for it. It's it's so aging and dating comic books in a way that I just hadn't thought of because comics were always so old. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's, woof. That's that's so much, man. I'm 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 in shell shock now thinking about like, so what about the covers that are like the weird hard ones that reflect and all the weird things they did in the 90s of the 17 variant we covers that holograms. We okay, call we just call them mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. There's variants still. I was going to um, call them hollow floppies because I really wanted <laughs> to keep this going, but. They've got those. That Like, they're still, <laughs> it, you can still, DC, I think, does it the most. Okay. Or at least they did when I was still kind of paying attention. But there's, yeah, you, there's still a bunch of variants for everything, but the way it works where you can get everything on subscription and you can specify what you want and orders go in you know, when the printing is happening. So it's kind of like the secret layer thing, you know, as long as you get it while it's in print, you can have as many as you want. But two years later, find one that was printed because there's not going to be any more. But much like the secret layer, not that many people care. Yep, yep. The best secret layer most people weren't interested in, that's the full text lands. Just there's, that should just be, they make a return to it, an unglued set where every land is just full text. Like, ha, 
That would be something. <laughs> that would be something. Get those. If you imagine going to a draft and you go to the land box and you just find those in there because they're that common, then it's so much funnier. That's kind of the thing though. Cause like full art lands, when they, we did that the first time in the unsets, they became really expensive. And then in Zendikar, they were like a buck or two, but now they're everywhere. Yeah. They kept, they kept rolling with them. Cause they realized folks really like full art lands. Yeah, I agree. I think that's better yeah. than wasting the entire block at the bottom on a mana symbol. We all fucking know what an Island is guys. Yep. Now, if they if they went back and reprinted the old style like tap from Alpha Beta, that'd just be kind of a fun nostalgia for a thing. That's a matter of time, right? So we're gonna get like Modern Horizons, fucking eight or something. Modern Horizons, Beta, be and there will be there will be <laughs> there will be like super ultra rare basics that just look like they were printed in 1996 or something. I mean, the 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 gloves are off. We have the one ring, the one above all ring. That exists so anything's fair game for the one ring. <laughs> I want to see that thing get fucked up in a game of flip it or rip it. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Maybe maybe it just won't get opened forever. That actually if <laughs> yeah. Five thousand years and there's like some magic player hunched over in a dorm room that's just been there the whole time eating pizza crusts and playing fucking GTA three back corner of a Walmart has it in one of those boxes. that's just gotten lost in a storage room. Walmart will not sell them anymore. Oh, they don't. They sell online only because people kept stealing. Actually, I think it was people were stealing and fighting over Pokemon. Wow. So they said, fuck all of this nutty. And if you want magic cards from Walmart, you have to order them online. And I don't know why you would do any of those things, but yeah, that, that really local game store. <laughs> like I understood going to Walmart to get magic cards when there was the era of pre-constructed decks. And then, you know, like Umazawa's GTA was in, so I just go buy all of those. Oh, yeah. I, I remember only one uh, person gets to pull that trick. True name nemesis. Right. When that was big. I just went into Walmart and I'm like, ooh, you have six of these. I'll take them all. Because That's it's literally the only reason. <laughs> or, or because you wanted to steal. <laughs> A lot of people love stealing at Walmart. True. Walmart, Walmart does have that. I think they built it into their price models probably. Like every every place does. But every I mean, like, there's I'm figuring is a heavier margin. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of weird because, I mean, self-checkout isn't really self-checkout, right? It's really like one cashier runs 12 registers. Yeah. You're in just, a way. And that's just, like, where people shoplift like mad is right there. I've never seen less than, than two people working at least a, a, if there's 10 to 12 of those just because they have to walk back and forth. They so almost never let it be two people because if there's two people, they'll talk to each other. I, I always see two. Really? Yeah. They must pick ones that hate each other. I, it's, I that's possible. <laughs> Maybe they're required to stand at least 10 feet apart. <laughs> I That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Whenever I see shit at Walmart, I think about like that scene in Family Guy where there's the two guys next to the Death Star ray that's launching complaining about how there's no guardrail. <laughs> and one of them saying to the other like, yeah, I actually asked. You know what they said? They said we'd be leaning against it all day. <laughs> and that's just what pops into my head whenever I see this Walmart stuff. Just makes me want to do stormtrooper jokes now. Or like some of the, the, you know, like the grocery stores around here that are starting to have like cops in them all the time. And you have to check your backpack up front. Oh, I, I haven't encountered that though. I, I haven't been carrying my backpack into a place since college. So uh, yeah, I haven't done it since I was, you know, buying groceries and then getting back on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, dude, the, the, the high V's, which are big in Iowa and expanding beyond Iowa to the rest of the Midwest, 
they now have at least one cop just standing in there to protect the food from people. Check your bags. I'm going to put groceries in and, it. And they, uh, yep, and they require you to check your bags, your, your bags. It's a customer service or something like that if you come in. Aren't you so they're, they're like you're supposed to you're encouraged to bring non-disposable bags? I guess they just don't want certain bag types. I <laughs> dude, it's weird because it's eh. it's like the it's not the most expensive grocery store, but it's the most expensive grocery store that isn't trying to be the ritziest one. Fair. What's it? Uh, is it Trader Trader Joe's? That's if I remember, they they were usually kind of ritzy. They are kind of ritzy. I haven't been in there hardly. Yeah, it's been you know, years. Like, here's when I the last time I was in a Trader Joe's, I went to visit my sister when she lived in a super gentrified part of Dallas, Texas. Okay. And we went into Trader Joe's there. There's a Trader Joe's like in a strip mall next to a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> next to a movie theater. Like, yeah. I there's one in Coralville that you really have to go out of your way to go to, and it's in kind of a. No one lives there, but the, the Iowa River Landing, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know where that is. Where 30 Hop is and that shit. Like, uh -huh. everything there costs hella anyway. They have, like, a Von Maurer Taj Mahal. <laughs> it just it just reeks, like, either the, the hotel, everything. Like, you are going to spend, like, $200 just to hang out here this afternoon. <laughs> Do you like to spend your money unnecessarily? Well, have we got something for you, come on down. It's, it's, it's really well, for, like, your wallet the, and your pocket. The boomer alums that come down for Iowa tailgating to just be like a place to extract a lot of money from them. I remember working at bars when it's, all right, guys, just remember tonight there's a fee for people coming in. What? Yeah, there's, it's alumni are in for the, the game. So everyone will pay to come in. Right. <laughs> it's just tonight, $10, $20 fee to come in. Yep. Just do that. Yep. They don't know any better. They'll pay it. <laughs> okay was amazed by that the first time I experienced it. Do you remember at Iowa State? Because we were both there the semester that, like, you looked at what they took out of your student loans, and there was just this thing that was $300 fee. Yes, I've all I've it just said. Fee. Fee. $300 fee. And people raised a bit of a ruckus about it, and we all got our 300 bucks back, and then, like, the next semester, tuition went up by 600 It's like, hey, this is... This is not a for-profit institution. At least it's not supposed to be. <laughs> all that means is there's no shareholders. Yeah. That's all that means. That, that doesn't mean that there's not a bunch of people getting paid exorbitant amounts of money just I to know. keep it rolling who are in charge of what they make. It's the philosophy behind it that bugs me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not for profit, which means that literally the people on the top can just keep all the extra money. <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, we got to build a new complex, but, you know, that's a really complicated thing, and it's another thing I have to oversee. Therefore, I better get compensated more. And also, the hammers we use to build this thing cost $100 each. Yeah, you know, we want really, I we want nice ones, special. It's, did you even buy new hammers? No. <laughs> yeah, because we kept breaking them. We only have one left. <laughs> Where'd all the other ones go? What, they were tossed? You know what, that's a good point. Next time, we buy the $500 hammers. Good, good, good thinking. Hey, you know what? You have junior executive vice president written all over you. Well, so does anybody who just <laughs> wants a promotion and is dumb enough to accept one in title only. <laughs> Congratulations, vice president, senior analyst. Uh, no more money. Extra work, though. Do uh, someone clog a toilet on the third floor, though, so go deal with that. That's a job for the vice president, senior analyst. <laughs> it's going to help you grow. 
you gotta you gotta learn this from the bottom up, literally. Yeah, <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> Step two: tossing salads. My office, three o'clock. <laughs> Sir, do you have a do you have a casting couch in your shut up? Oh, really? I don't like you to talk. Just shut up. <laughs> it's not true. No one will be cast in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I see you've all auditioned. Uh, this it looks like I think I've seen you three times here. You really don't get it yet, do you? But you know you want to keep. That's okay. <laughs> oh God, can you imagine? Is this that? Like, just the way they do it with like fucking seven rounds of interviews with people to just do it for that. Like, okay, you're in the final group of five. We're just gonna have to try anal this time. <laughs> she got through the first three rounds off of her blowjob skills, but coming up, we have all anal all the time all access i guess this is what happens we watched zach and mary yesterday i know that's exactly where exactly i'm going where is, it goes yeah <laughs> i'm going to examine the, the titties and uh i'm going not going to touch them i just you know i my wife would let me anyway and that, she ruins me <laughs> kevin smith man he he really is just riding on the wave at the edge of sexual repression <laughs> wonder when we're going to get him like handed a random like when marvel gets weird enough they're like yeah like dude talk him into directing a, a, a short series one of the weird ones Ooh. you see he's so bad though like in in all the technical ways of framing shots and shit like that he's good at getting you know some funny people together and making some funny shit all right like, we'll just write him then we'll just have him do some writing for one of the because there's a lot of quirky marvel stuff in there like squirrel girl I don't know if he's got it anymore. You know, like Clerks 3 was an absolute blowout. That movie was great, but he had a lot to build off of. True. And and he got to basically build it out of his own life-changing experience of having one of those heart attacks. Yeah. So it was, you know, like a really personal artistic project that spanned his entire life and affected everything in his life. It, I mean, it changed the way he lived. He's mm -hmm. like a vegan now and he's skinny and shit, <laughs> you know. But he did, he did make sure to tell everyone that he still uses weed a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, he's not a traitor. In, in his he's podcast. Just a vegan. That's fine. He'd be vegan. Well, I, I wonder, I know he got offered Preacher back in the day, and then uh, what it ended up getting made by or produced by, sorry, which with a lot of help, because Kevin Smith's like, I don't want to fuck it up, and refused it, was Seth Rogen. Yeah. Good and call. that's why we got the Preacher series, was his like, dude, yes, I want to I make sure this happens. And then a lot of pushback of, you don't get to do all the story. Right. <laughs> Seth Seth Rogen has a much better sense of how to make a good movie, though. He's a, he's a massively talented fellow. It's, yeah. It's funny. Kevin Smith is a very funny, personable guy that worked really hard and took a lot of risks in an era where you couldn't just pick up and make a movie for the hell of it. Well, he's part of the, the 90s alum of your, your Tarantino, your Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith. They were making movies where... I am a huge fan. This is what I love about my life. I'm selling everything I got, taking out bank loans, whatever you can, borrowing stuff to make this indie movie because no one has thought to ever make a movie like this because studios were still in the idea of, we're just mad we don't own the actors anymore. Right. Uh, like that took, that was decades before studios began coming around the Except idea. Except for the Weinstein company where they well, did. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, that's another callback to Zach and Mary. Yeah. The Weinstein company thing is featured. It. Weinstein, like, no Weinstein, less than four Weinstein. times. Oh. oh, yeah, just reminding you. The end of the movie, the beginning of the movie has the Weinstein company. And after the credits, the very end, the Weinstein company again. And that's just two. 
Well, you know. But what other great filmmakers were coming out of the, the, the 90s? I think there was another one who really popped up there. Like Wes Anderson, I believe he started the 90s. I think Bottle Rocket was was late 90s. But there's, yeah, I, I think it was 90s for him coming up. It was certainly 90s for, oh, God, I'm uh, Fincher. Okay, Fincher. There we go. That's another goodie. Fincher was probably, to me, the best director to come out of the 90s was David Fincher. Yeah, that that's... When was what? I wonder what his first movie was. I don't actually remember what Fincher's first film was. Oh God, it was it was something kind of dumb, actually. Um, you get stuck with one of those. Hey, man, it's your fledgling studio thing. So no, I think it might have been Memento. Oh, wow, that's a pretty. It's a good movie, but it is kind of dumb. But for a for a for a bit of heft there, that's a good start project because yeah. you're working with some material that. It's really got to be supported. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great job with that movie. And I remember, again, it's a different era, too, where just nobody was making movies that were in that. Because, you, you know, it was like you could get your, your David Lynch, who would be psychedelic to the point of, like, what the fuck did I just watch? Well, yeah, it's Lynch and Cronenberg stuff, but they've been right. doing that for years and before. Right, right, right. But, like, Decades. yeah, you, you just, like, I don't even know what the fuck happened. You could stand there and talk with people, and we got theories about what the fuck happened. And I don't mean, like, what happened at the end of, you know, like, the top is spinning, is it going down? I mean, like, what the fuck was that movie even about? Watch Blue Velvet and somebody tell me, Lost Highway, what the f- <laughs> M- Mulholland Drive, what the fuck are any of those movies about? I don't know. I love all three. I have no fucking clue. But you watch a Fincher movie, you know what it's about. Yeah. But it just gets weird in, in ways that other movies didn't at the time. I, I, he, get, he gains the title of, his films are dark, both literally and figuratively. It's kind of tricky, too, if you didn't live through it, right? Because here, here's an example I think that's probably a bit more out there is Christopher Nolan, also a very good director. More of the aughts, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Dark Knight had that sound. That noise. That super bassy, awesome thing, which, like, you had never heard until you saw that I mean, maybe in some crazy techno song, but like for real, like you had not yeah. heard that until you saw that movie. It was not a mainstream film thing. And now it's everything. After just that, it was everywhere, it. <laughs> everywhere. Just kind of like after Fight Club, there were all these movies where it turned out like the guy was actually both of them. <laughs> that's the machinist with Christian Bale mm-hmm. is the Fight Club twist. And that's uh, hide and seek with Robert De Niro. Okay. Oh, he's the same guy twist. And those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head that just kind of popped up. I guess similarly with Dark Knight. And then we get to Skyfall and like, oh, the villain got captured on purpose and his escape plan is destructive. And I mean, it's... Uh, or, or like Batman Begins, like, oh, it's a sky ray that's going to fuck everything or something. Now it's in everything. It calls back to uh, one of the greats of that sort of thing, the usual suspects. Oh, yeah. It was always him. <laughs> right. Which that's that's some I I really wonder if that's gotten lost to lost to the like time in movies because I've talked to more people people you know our age range and mentioned that when conversations get good and deep in your cups and I've gotten some blank looks. See, it's one of those things too that like when I was a kid and Animaniacs, the show Animaniacs, oh, yeah. was airing originally, and I didn't fucking understand all the reference. I didn't even know what the Warner Brothers meant. I just knew that like they had that before the Batman movie or something. And so they got all these references to pop culture at the time that was adult that I was unaware of. Yeah, like Prince. I was aware of Prince, the person, but fingering no. It's why the joke <laughs> worked. But 
uh, you know, it was the 90s. Prince was really big in the 90s. We're getting close to 1999. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to party like Ooh. it's 1999. Which I can report, I was 13 in a fucking bathtub eating pizza. It was sick. <laughs> I, I was at a, uh, a, a, a high school party. And that, that song definitely played on, like a couple times because the timing was over. Like, just put it, just right. keep it playing. It's playing while it hits. <laughs> Everyone's going to dance to this and cheer. Because... All the boomers thought the computers were going to break because oh. they didn't know how to count to 2000. <laughs> and the world was going to end. It's because the computers weren't programmed with zeros. It's like, well, yeah, man. You know, if, if you don't know what Y2K is, just Google it and have yourself a giggle. <laughs> Or if you want some entertainment, there's a jeans brand that has YKK, and there was a fun conspiracy at the time that jeans were like because you didn't have the internet as quite as heavy then, so any conspiracy was just flying back and forth. People sent chain letters at that time. I mean, come on. There's you know like the conspiracies I heard when I was a kid are so much less ridiculous. Like Marilyn Manson having two remo ribs removed to suck himself off oh. is so much more reasonable than the Earth being flat. <laughs> Orders of magnitude more reasonable than the earth being flat. <laughs> and the worst part being, it wouldn't even make any sense. You're, they're floating ribs. But, you know, Manson, uh, the Aussie, Aussie in the head, the biting the head off thing. That's the thing. Yeah. That was the thing. But that gave the world the idea of, well, who's to say what's crazy or not who's to say what's fake or who's not who's to say what john osborne won't do if you throw a bat at him like, he's, done, he's on cocaine all the time he fucking married sharon just to survive and again just for everyone to remember that was a tv show there was a, the osbornes were a tv show yeah i, I can't call it reality television God, that because was like 20 years ago too yeah that's that that's like a long 20 time fucking years ago again, you know, there's a certain amount of me being a kid and Ozzy was like the Prince of Darkness, but then he's on TV. I was like, oh, he's just a fucking burnt out idiot. <laughs> Fuck. How yeah, many? that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. Like Ozzy had a mystique that no one who is young will ever or care about because I guess Ozzy hasn't been relevant in forever. But He's gotten some, some pickups. He had what, the new album last year? Yeah, he's had new albums since then, though. Like the only... I think the only reason maybe you heard of the album he put out last year is because maybe I put it on at some point. I, I believe the mention was, whoa, looking at releases. New album from Ozzy. Let's listen to it. Right. <laughs> I think I listened to it twice, and I was like, that's not bad. On with life. Yep, moving moving forward. Which, you know, that ought to be the case because the people he has in the studio with him are, you know, it's like Chad Smith who drums from Red Hot Chili Peppers and fucking you know like rob trujillo whenever he wants him like everybody elton john playing piano on these songs what are we doing well we've we've brought together ed sheeran um billy corgan ozzy oz but it doesn't matter just pick anybody and stick them together now it's a project right yeah if, if ozzy can't put out a record that's listenable with with that kind of action going on i don't know what's up although he made the mistake of letting his producer play guitar and write guitar so the guitar sucked on that record <laughs> i did not know that I remember putting it on, like, why does it sound so stupid? I mean, the riffs were okay, but the tone was just bad. Like, oh. Whoops, Danny. Uh, whatever. You know, probably the record wouldn't have happened unless some, somebody was prodding Ozzy. Because now he says he's, he's done. He's retired. Ah, okay. Finally, into retirement stage. Is that, when you retire, does that mean you'll just now only come out to do some, I don't know, cameo, slight song, one verse appearances 
or is it complete? Is this the Daniel Day Lewis like I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. I don't even show up to parties. I feel like he's probably been wanting to retire for 20 years. So I I didn't go I didn't go to Ozfest in 2003, um, but I knew a lot of people who did. So 20 years ago, and they described Ozzy's set as like he came out and he was really energetic and sounded great for three songs, and then after that. He sounded like bad karaoke, and he could barely walk around. Oh, I know Ozzy was still getting super fucked up 20 years ago, but for all I know, he still <laughs> is now. It's just, he was too old for it 20 years ago. That's my point. And I get kind of get the sense that, like, people have just been, like, continuing to shove Ozzy into the studio, like, uh, stay relevant, Ozzy. Doesn't Sharon have her own TV show now? Well, she's been on a bunch of shows. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's always, like, daytime talk TV okay. kind of shit that has never interested me. You know, it's like for stay-at-home moms kind of stuff the midday things what are we watching along with this well it's the same people that uh, everyone i know who is older watches uh daytime cop dramas which one aren't they the same what's the fucking difference <laughs> ice teas in all of them who cares i, I think ice teas in several or something yeah. i guess that's the only thing like just give me one with ice tea at least <laughs> i gotta watch this fucking copaganda shit I, i've tried watching a, a few of them just because i wanted to really get it and a lot of them, if you just watch a few episodes, you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. And then you watch more and you're like, oh, this is the same episode again. Yeah, it's on a oh, loop. Oh, shoot. This it's is on a, a loop. This is what? This is, I swear I just saw this. Oh, no, they just did it again. They changed who it happened to. Have you ever watched any episodes of like ancient aliens or any of that crap or like crop circles, anything like that? I think I've Ghosts. watched part of one. I, with the aliens guy. One of those time, like, I never wanted to watch any of this stuff, but I lived with so many people that I wound up, you know, just getting glued to the couch when, like, I came there to maybe study or something. And yeah, so on. I'm not going to pay attention to this. Yeah. And then I do for fucking four hours. Sucks you in, man. Here I am years later bitching about it on a podcast. But <laughs> what I noticed about all those shows, even the food ones, you know, like setting up a restaurant, uh, mm -hmm. Guy Fieri, all of those shows. Whatever the last segment is, it's usually about six to seven minutes after the last commercial break is literally all you need to see. <laughs> because every time they come back from a commercial break, they summarize everything they did before and they make sure to blow an entire goddamn hour doing basically nothing just so that you'll wait around and see what the fuck happens in the last six or seven minutes. And again, they will summarize everything, not very much, that happened leading up to that point. It's also because... Creating drama, tension, and conflict doesn't necessarily happen in a lot of those. So you kind of just, uh. Well, see, and I kind of think about what sort of has supplanted those of like YouTube and you consider what an average YouTube video is. And it's like, it's just, just getting right minutes. to the point of yeah. that. It is just that six or seven minutes. <laughs> I do like, I do like the shortening on it. Maybe we're going to, maybe we'll go so far back again that webisodes become super popular. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to say what's going to become super popular. There's so many people. Everything is so stratified into tight little interest groups. But then you'll have something, you know, just come roaring to the front for a random ass reason like Tiger King. I, I can only say, man, the pandemic seems like it was just the key to that thing's success. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> but uh, how many fucking unpredictable things happen all the goddamn time, right? Sure. Fair. Fair. And and then we have this this cultural fallout as a result from it that affects, you know, 
there's just something and it just comes like stranger things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stranger things that is the show good? Yes. It's a good show. At least the two seasons I saw seemed pretty fucking good. It's it's still cool. I've watched everything, but it's not the level it was. But it was it, it came in riding a hard wave of 80s, 90s nostalgia. Yes, it did. And and they're just it could have been anything, but it was that. And it gave a creativity to it that you felt good about. Yeah. You didn't you didn't have to ask too many questions to understand the story. You didn't have to do anything, but everyone was talking about it. Well, they had a pretty good system. They had a magic book. It just happened to be a D&D book. <laughs> which is fine, good enough for me. You know, like, just keep it running. And they kept it running. And the kid's like, oh, it's a Demogorgon, see? And this is what we have to do to defeat it. And, like, it just all those assumptions are magically correct. Fine. That works for me in a show where, like, magical things are possible. Why mm. not have the D&D book be the, the grimoire? It's a whole lot better than in a lot of action movies where they just randomly say, it must be this. And you're like, but why? It just had to be one more thing. Oh, because the D&D book said so. Works for me. This is all made up bullshit anyway. Thanks for a reason. Just so you know on the Stranger Things, they've now gone outside of the country. I figured they were going to be like, because in the second season they had Eleven get like emo and have her like, bad Tobey Maguire moments and shit. Mm -hmm. And we're introducing this whole different cast of like crust punk kids or something. Yes, that was interesting. And I wasn't sure where they were going with that. And I'm still not sure I like where they went with it. But, you know. God, they made David Harbour's character really fucking annoying in that second season as well. They they fixed some things. They, they, they kind of make amends a bit. Yeah, I just dropped out because for me, it was the first season. It was the same reason I watched Tiger King. Like, okay, everybody's checking this out. I want to at least know what it's about. I mean, I know that once the final season drops, when it does, because it's delayed uh, for writer's strike indefinitely, but it will happen because it's too big of a property to not come back to. You know, it'll be nice. I'm going to sit down and have a full binge of all of it. Have you been following much about the writer's strike? You've been showing me some stuff. Yeah, I've been following some bits and pieces of it. But not to a not to a heavy degree. So I've I've spent a few hours kind of looking into it in the last week. And I I kind of my pathway in was there's this web content I watch pretty regularly called Screen Crush. And Screen Crush is marketed as being like showing you Easter eggs and things. Okay. Which it kind of does, but really it's sort of like it it, dice, it deconstructs things. And I watch it for like Star Wars and Marvel, but they do it for basically every mainstream thing. But it, it like deconstructs the plot elements and like, you know, why care, like the, the symbolism in these creative choices made, it's, it's, it's academic. Well, that sounds great. It's fantastic. Um, and, and I love it because there's new episodes of that that come out pretty regularly. And some of it's like fan theory stuff, which I enjoy. I'm, you know, it's like I'm watching this while I'm playing arena or like on my phone while I'm taking a dump or something like that but I spent enough time doing Playing either of those things. <laughs> right. Um, it, and I've also kind of enjoyed the screen crush is one of those things that sort of, it has a very, uh, very far left leaning socialist and beyond undertone to it in jokes that I've been noticing popping up in other places. <laughs> okay. I got to give it a whirl. Like there's, so it's this guy uh, and this little white dog are the hosts. 
Okay. And the little, right. And the little white dog just kind of chimes in occasionally in a funny little cartoon sounding voice. And periodically, you know, like the guy will be hawking merch about the little white dog and he'll just be like, I am being exploited. I do not consent. And just talk right over him. Or variously, he was talking Perfect. about like, you know, in Andor and making analogies to the modern world and you know, just drawing these obvious connections that obviously inspire this stuff and laying out the themes of, and, and just kind of this, this revolutionary idea behind it. And the dog pops, pipes up to tell him to uh, keep in line. He has more to lose than his chains. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's really, really good in, in, in inserting socio-political commentary that is funny into these videos that are supposed to be out of Easter eggs, but are really just pretty educational in terms of breaking down story, et cetera. Infotainment, baby. So, but this guy, he, he has some guests on and talked about the writer's strike. And so I watched, and it was like 45 minutes. And I found it pretty interesting. So then I found Adam Conover, if you're familiar with him. No, off the top of my head. The guy with the big, big fucking hair that ruins everything. Like Adam ruins everything. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know that. The you glasses, know, like you only yeah. buy diamonds because you're a fucking idiot and society yeah, tricked you into him. it, but there's no stopping it. You he know? has a very nice sense of style, clothing-wise. So he's, he's uh, he, I, I saw it was like over an hour long where he was interviewing other members of the Writers Guild, including a former president of the Writers Guild, and going through like the details of this stuff, which, you know, I'm, you, you, you know enough about it. If you want to check it on YouTube, you can. But the, the reason I brought all this up is because after looking at this stuff and hearing from these people, the conclusion that I was leaning towards is sort of the same one that they were presenting themselves of like, this strike is actually just going to save the industry from itself. Yeah, that sounds about right. Where the, the industry is, is just launching, in, like everything else, in a way that's totally unsustainable because they want to turn... Not, it's not enough to make profits. They need to make record profits. Dude, the, the fact, just bringing up the, you look at movies now, and even with inflation, things of those sort, and you look at our gauge of what is considered a box office failure versus what was considered a box office failure back in the day. Breaking even is considered, or a little bit above, is considered a failure. Yeah. Like, just what the hell worthless kind of, what? Right. Everyone got paid. What are you talking about? What? You made the movie, you didn't lose, you opened up a thing, maybe it, maybe it gets sequels, maybe that, and you're complaining. Everybody got a movie, everyone got paid. That's, that's, that's a success, yeah. Insanity. But they're, they're talking about like the, the, the writer's room issues of like the small rooms or whatever they're called, where they were just taking, so like, you know, the writer's room that I was familiar with in my head is, you know, we got seven, nine writers and there's, you got your showrunner who's kind of in charge and they're, putting the episodes together, they're making the show happen mm -hmm. and they're working on it together. And what they're doing with whatever it's called right now, the short writers rooms or whatever, is they just bring in all these extra writers for like four weeks. And they tell the showrunner, just make it happen. And then all of those writers, like it's day to day, whether they even have a job. And this is off of like, if they got hired for a writer's room in the past, it's like, okay, you've got 11 weeks of work. And then after that, there's no guarantee. So apparently in that industry, it's pretty normal to do some work for a few months where you work a lot and then you don't get work for a while and then you find work and it's just super inconsistent. Well, one of the other things with a lot of writers, or at least was, I'm not as familiar now, was after you've gotten a few writing things in, you got one of the, you know, a good episode in where you were the prime writer on it or you and someone else tagged and this was just your project. You're trying to grab your executive producer credits or your other things that keep you working on the piece right. and then you get to still write in there. And that's messed up. Yeah, that was part of the problem too, is that a lot of them are doing producing. 
work and they're replacing the roles of producers or doing the work of the producers are supposed to be doing, but really it's just Nepo titles. Yep. And they're not getting paid for that. They're not getting recognized for it. And they're being expected to do it. Even through the strike where they're getting sent these letters like, well, you still have to do this role that we don't pay you for or acknowledge. Like, what? <laughs> uh, you're horrible. Over and over. And I, I really, I like the writer's strike and I think it's a perfect time and place for it because it's so public. It affects the diversions that we all have and that we enjoy. And it is so clearly a microcosm of every problem happening with every sector of this economy. Everyone has the same problem as the Writers Guild. Overreach by the greedy and the people who don't want people to succeed. Yep. There's, uh, there's no way that almost everybody isn't working for some greedy son of a bitch who's making record amounts of money and they're paying you as little as possible and trying to get you to work multiple people's jobs. At the same time, preaching austerity out of one side of their mouth and record profits out the other. Maybe the writer's strike will result in just something fantabulous and somehow all of the magical Christmas land things will come together to make it so at least Hollywood starts with the, let's stop just focusing on money. Let's just make art. And when it makes extra, great. That's the dumb thing, though. They could focus on money. They could focus on money, but they all are trying to be the girl with the most cake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's, well, it's it, if they, there's there's enough for all of them to be rich. There's enough for them to be all be richer than they need to be, but they all need to have the most money. We have to put up constant growth for some reason because you know some fucking assholes that I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they do. I don't know what this constant growth is needed for. I don't know who it's making rich. I don't know why the the whips are being cracked. It's complicated. I don't care, but it's unnecessary. Well, you got to have enough money so you can buy the other little things and combine them all into your one things. So then you dominate as the rich. Right. I mean, when you mentioned earlier about like a, a, a DC Marvel crossover, what popped into my head was just wait for the corporate merger. Could happen. <laughs> Antitrust laws clearly don't mean anything right now. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing comic book crossovers again. I don't think I'd want movies happening. I mean, maybe The Flash is going to turn me in a brand new direction for DC, and I hope it does. That's, what, two weeks away. So we'll see. Did Michael Keaton make everyone forget what Ezra Miller did? My, my thought is yes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. But there's, will, there's, but will there's so come much in? outrage to go around that is there really any left for Ezra? But th with the appearance of Clooney as Batman in it, will it sink the franchise again like he did <laughs> is that is that a, is a speculated it's or a speculative. Is, okay it's a speculative but god i feel like clooney would know better there's a difference between knowing better and ah oh, well <laughs> or maybe if they had you know if they did one of those every once in a while a movie does it and i love it every time the fake concession stand thing at the beginning you know like the animated candy let's go out to the movies. right that kind of thing yeah. And they set up a gag, for example, like I'm thinking the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie did this and Run, Ronnie, Run did this. Yeah. If they did something like that and it was like George Clooney wearing a bat suit, like buying popcorn and like sitting down and standing in front of a urinal, like how do I even? And like at the very end, someone's like, are you in this movie? He's like, oh, God, no, God, no, I'm Clooney, sorry. Clooney tapping the, the handicap. I'm really sorry, but I can't, there's not enough space to go into any other one of these. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, help. <laughs> help Batman P that, that would be a great 
great precursor to the movie. I put, oh, wow, that's what needs to happen. I want to see some Easter egg type fun, you know, end credit stuff before credits again. Let's get, let's get some extra comedy in there again. Right. Like this isn't even part of the plot. Shit, they did that in like, when I was a kid and I went to see Batman Returns, there was like a Coca-Cola commercial where like Batman went to fucking McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But well, you know. who cares? The movie hasn't started yet. It doesn't have to. It doesn't need to make sense. We need to make dollars. Right, right. Profits, profits, profits. We need McDonald's. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. All right. Well, I think that uh, planetarily wrapped. Oh, wait. Yeah, Magic the Gathering. Been playing Zergo and Ojutai. It's pretty good. See you there later. You go. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>